RadioInfluence.com. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so glad to have you here, as always, for this thing we call a podcast. Hope that your weekend was good. And I am excited to speak this week as we teased last week with a fourth generation wrestler. I'll have to talk to him about that. I thought he was a third generation wrestler. Uh, my uh, friend's son, who I saw grow up, uh, so it's an interesting kind of uh, interview that I've one that I've never had that uh, angle from. Uh, David Finley, uh, New Japan uh, upcoming star and also Ring of Honor uh, star with the new group Lifeblood, uh, and a lot of excitement uh, around that. So looking forward to talking to him as this drops, as they say in podcast world, the Royal Rumble is over and we will see who wins the Royal Rumble. Um, as I've mentioned in the past, the Royal Rumble is my favorite pay-per-view of the year for the Royal Rumble match. I just love the format and we get to have two this year, a women's and a men's as we did last year. At the time we were taping this, it is not after the Royal Rumble. It is before the Royal Rumble, several days before the Royal Rumble. So I am going to go out on a limb here. I wouldn't put money on it, but I have a really off-the-wall thought, and I'm just going to throw it out there, see if you agree, and see if it happens. I would not at all be surprised to see as a surprise entrant in the Men's Royal Rumble this year, drumroll please, Chris Jericho. I know a lot of people are saying Chris Jericho, but he, he works for all the wrestling. He signed a contract. Uh, Vince is mad at him. All the different things you might say. A, I don't think Vince is mad at him. B, I'm not going to stake my house on the fact that he's going to be there, but it's such a Chris Jericho thing. If, if I'm Chris Jericho and I'm saying, God, I'm so happy that I signed with all Elite wrestling, no regrets, but if I could just show up as a surprise in the Royal Rumble, because he loves stuff like that. As you know, taking a plane uh, before a concert uh, to go do the all-in appearance and keeping it from everybody, and, and he loves doing that. So the fact that nobody, absolutely nobody, expects Chris Jericho to be at the Royal Rumble because he works for a different company. I just think that that is something that he is maybe I'll text him a little bit later and see if I could uh, get a comment from him and see. Uh, uh, he'll never tell me if he is for sure. He wouldn't tell probably wouldn't tell anybody but his wife. But um, and of course, those at all elite. But, you know, it it, it can't hurt WWE, I don't think. If in in one way it would show like, hey, we're not worried about that company. Uh, well, even if they are, it would show that you know they were not worried about them, which is something that Vince might think is important. On the other hand, um, I don't see how all elite wrestling loses anything by one of its top stars being in the Royal Rumble. Obviously, he's not going to win the Royal Rumble, or even probably if he's in it be out there for any length of time competing It'd just be a fun little surprise that nobody expects so that is my crazy pick of the surprise entrant for the royal rumble again if you agree with me don't put money on it because i'm not that sure i don't have any inside information i just think it would be vintage chris jericho to be able to pull something like that off and uh, so i hope next week i could come on and say ha i was right and uh 
we'll see. But um, that would be fun for sure. And uh, hoping that uh, we have a fun Royal Rumble show and uh, leading up to WrestleMania where we'll see what happens. Uh, not sure if they pull the plug on Finn Balor beating Brock Lesnar. My gut tells me no. Uh, but they seem to be aiming in that direction. And I know at one point Vince was very, very, very high on uh, giving a super push to Finn Balor when he originally won the uh, Universal Championship. So we'll have to see on this one. Every time you think that uh, they've lined somebody up to go over Lesnar, he does about 10 F5s and there's a 1-2-3, and it's not his shoulders that are down on the mat. Uh, even when you're sure uh, that Brock Lesnar's finally going to do the job, uh, nine out of ten times they swerve you so we'll see about that as well but hopefully it's a fun Royal Rumble and uh, I don't know last Sunday night was a heck of a football game so uh, and then you got the Super Bowl next week so uh, they if they're going to put on an entertaining show to rival the NFL uh, this is their opportunity to do it uh, because the NFL has nothing going on in the week between the finals conference finals and the super bowl as we all know so hopefully it's a fun royal rumble and uh hopefully i could come next week with a little bragging rights about chris jericho never say never this is professional wrestling uh speaking of professional wrestling want to bring on my guest this week excited to have him excited for him uh he used to ha i don't want to embarrass him but he used to uh uh, quote unquote play what do you do ride bikes uh, hang out with my uh, oldest son in Peachtree City when uh, I became friends with the Finleys and the Regals and the Taylors and the Grunges and yes even the Benoits in um, and I wouldn't uh, Jill uh, Ewing I'm not leaving you out either uh in Peachtree City, and we all had a little group of WCW-aligned people, and we hung out together and had a lot of fun. And the little kids hung out together and had a lot of fun, too. And two of those little kids were my son and my guest at this time. So uh, something new and uh, hoping to have a fun conversation with New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor star. Please welcome to Sydney Ringside, David Finley. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, very, very happy to have a fourth-generation wrestler. I don't think we've ever had a fourth-generation wrestler on this podcast before, and uh, somebody that I've known for a long time, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and now Ring of Honor star, David Finley. How are you, sir? I am doing good. How are you? I'm doing very good. Uh, did I? I didn't. I don't know that I knew what I, 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 that you were a fourth generation wrestler. I knew your grandfather wrestled. His, I'm assuming his grandfather wrestled too. Uh, my, yeah. So my great grandfather was also a wrestler and a promoter and a ring announcer. Ah. So uh, a jack of all trades, you should say. But uh, yeah, and before that, I think uh, my great great grandfather was like a bar fighter or something. Ah, uh, bar fighter. So that's that's where we get fourth generation wrestler. And I think your yeah. I think your great aunt was a referee, if I remember correctly. My great aunt and my just regular aunt was also a referee. 
It's a family business, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So, so Dave, I'm going to preface this interview by saying that uh, so far on this podcast, I've done about 80 interviews. We've interviewed uh, WWE Hall of Famers. We've interviewed uh, legendary women wrestlers. We've interviewed ring announcers and, and play-by-play guys and referees. And, and this interview is different from all those interviews for two very big reasons. You probably could guess the first reason. It's because I knew you when you were a youngster and I saw you you grow up as a friend of your family. The second reason is, is I'm deathly afraid of your mother. Me too. And I've, I've never, I've never had an interview where I was, you know, you interview Terry Funk or you interview, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Scott Hall and I don't know their mom. So I, I had nothing to be afraid <laughs> of, but uh, I, 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 jo- I joke a little bit, but uh, if, if, if this interview is something she doesn't like, you know, I'm going to hear about it, but in all fairness, <laughs> I, in all fairness, I think your parents are two of my favorite people in the world and you know that. So uh, 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 I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine, but uh, most people are afraid of your father. I'm afraid of your mom. I'm af- more, uh, I'm more afraid of my mom as well. So when did you know you wanted – this is what you wanted to do, continue the family journey? At what age? Uh, well, I knew very you, early you, on. I would say probably about two years old is my earliest of wanting to be a pro wrestler. So back when never I never wavered or changed from them. So back when you hung out with my little three-year-old son uh, in Peachtree City, you knew you wanted to be a wrestler? Yes, 100%. Uh, in that case, I'm glad you didn't stretch him. <laughs> I didn't know how to yet. Yeah. It, it kind of runs in the genes in your family. Um, so I'm assuming that your dad trained you at first. Did you have a ring? Did he have a ring out uh, uh, somewhere? Or did you guys go somewhere or to a gym or something? Uh, yeah. So for my 15th birthday, my dad somehow talked um, WWE into keeping a ring at our house for storage. And it was just set up the entire time in the spare garage. And we would go up to and train and wrestle and roll around and do all sorts of fun stuff. So, yeah, I had a wrestling ring in my backyard. My dad told me. How bad did he stretch you? Um, actually, to be completely honest, my mom stretched me worse than my dad ever did. And she did in about 14 seconds. <laughs> I was going to ask if your mom ever stretched you, and I thought that would—I thought that would be a silly question. But uh, no, no, that's uh, the day we got the ring. My dad was actually rolling around stretching me, and I was getting frustrated because he was beating me. So then my mom was laughing at me, so I got hot at her. I was like, "Well, you can't do it," and she beat me up even faster. So that was the one and only time I ever challenged my mom. You don't mess with Mel Finley. Uh, so, correct me if I'm wrong. Was your first match teaming with your dad in his final match in Germany? Was that your first match? Uh, that is correct and incorrect at the same time. Uh, technically, I had a singles match earlier in the night to set up the tag match, but I can say that, or at least that's what I tell people was my first match, was me and my dad versus Danny Collins and Robbie Brookside. Yeah, I went back and looked at that on video uh, earlier today. Uh, tell me about the nerves and the emotions you must have been feeling. That's a lot to take uh, in. Well, it was my first match. Two weeks prior, my dad was like, hey, I'm retired. Do you want to tag with me? And I just said yes because that's not something to say no to. But I also didn't think uh, it was going to happen. Um, so then a couple of days after that, my dad was like, all right, cool. We're going to Germany. This is what we're doing. I was like, dad, I don't. I don't actually know how to wrestle, and I don't have any gear. And he goes, ah, you'll be fine. So put me on, like, a 10-day crash course on, like, 
hey, get through this specific match that we're going to do. And uh, he was like, this is how you do a forearm. This is how you do an uppercut. Here's your finish. And then uh, luckily I was an amateur wrestling high school, so I had some wrestling singlets left over there. I was like, all right, I can use this. And then off to the races from there. Were you more, let me ask you a question. Were you more nervous for being your first match or were you more emotional with it being teaming with your dad and him having been his last match in Germany? The emotions didn't hit me until after. So I was very nervous up front, um, mainly because it was uncharted territory for me. I'd never actually, you know, been in a ring in front of people had paid to be there and actually watch me. So uh, that was new to me. And I felt like a lot of pressure of like, I've got to be, at least not terrible. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, the emotions didn't hit me until after it was all over. I remember me and my dad hugged and he whispered in my ear. He was like, all right, you're the man now. The torch is yours. And uh, that got me a little bit. So I was like fighting back tears in the middle of the ring in Hanover, you know, hugging my dad. He's a tough guy. And the son cheered, fighting off tears. So it was a very emotional ordeal for a 19-year-old, but uh, I wouldn't change a thing about it. Yeah, I was the ring announcer for your dad's last match in uh, Germany against Tony St. Clair, and I even got caught up in the emotion. Uh, so I can't even imagine what 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 you must have been feeling. So after uh, after that match, you started wrestling a little bit in Europe and doing some independent stuff. Uh, how how was that? Was it tough? Uh, not not as far as uh, as the wrestling part because I bet that came natural, but as far as the uh, you know new guy on the indies, uh, uh, you know, trying to break in? Well, uh, I never really had an indie run, like, because uh, I dated in Germany, and then I had already planned to take a gap year, and just, I went to Africa for a year in um, 2013, so I went from January to December, so I was going, so I basically took that entire year off of wrestling. When I moved to Cape Town, I, like, the last four months, I got into a wrestling school that I would go to, like, once every other week, and had a couple of matches there, but I didn't really start again until um, July, I think, of 2014. Um, and then I was working for Brian Dixon. So I had like a handful of matches under my belt, and I was going working uh, at the kids' camps in England, and I had a blast. It was the most fun I've ever had because there was like no pressure, no stress, just like, hey, trying to figure this thing out. And, uh, I was getting paid 40 pounds a night and drinking it away. <laughs> so much fun. You are a very, you are a real Finley in all ways. Uh, <laughs> what, what made you decide to go to the new Japan pro wrestling dojo? Um, you'd think that with your dad uh, being a producer for WWE, that NXT might've been, uh, you know, what more, normally most people would have thought of, uh, but you went another direction and wanted to kind of do it uh, your own way. What, so what, what was into that thinking? Uh, well, the plan was, that was the plan since I was about 15, was go to New Japan, go to England, go to New Japan, and then eventually go to WWE, and uh, that changed a little bit along the way. Uh, once I got to Japan, I was like, I actually really like it here. But uh, <clears throat> also, I just, anytime I was uh, at work with my dad, around the boys, whatever, they were like, oh, get to Japan if you can, get to Japan if you can. So really the key to being a good pro wrestler, in my opinion, is trying to get your foot in the door in Japan. And now I actually live there. I consider it home. I don't ever want to leave there. Um, so I'm having a blast down there, too. You started in the jo dojo, correct? Yeah. 
Tell me about a day, a typical day. You know, you hear all kinds of stories about the New Japan and the Japan Wrestling Dojos, and I'm sure things have probably changed over over 20, 25 years. But what's your typical day like uh, uh, there? Uh, well, I got there in like April of uh, 2015, so it, it changes every couple of years because they have a new trainer come in or whatever. But when I was there, uh, a typical day was like wake up at 8 a.m., clean the dojo. Uh, that usually takes about 30 minutes to an hour. And then you have to be in the actual, like, training room in the dojo at 10. So some guys would go back to sleep. Some guys would get some breakfast, tinker around, whatever. And then you're training from about 10 to 2. And it starts off with squats. It always starts off with squats. And then uh, you came in the dojo and had some friends that were here already. And I thought, man, Jay White specifically. So I was like, hey, man, I've heard the horror stories about the squats. How many do we actually have to do? And he was like, oh, I've never done more than 500. So I was like, oh, okay, I can do 500. I've done 500 before. First day of training, <laughs> that was named 1,000. I was like, no. So there's three new guys there, and they did all the counting and didn't know what number we were on at all at any point in time, and it was terrible. But so you start off with squats, a typical day. Um, then you go into either a bunch of push-ups or whatever, and you're basically doing a workout until 1 o'clock, and then if they feel like it, so have you roll around and wrestle for about an hour. And then you're done with that. You eat lunch real quick. And then uh, you got to wait around to serve everybody lunch and tea and whatever. And you want to do the rest of the day until about 8 p.m. Then you clean the dojo. And then you go to bed. Or relax or watch TV, whatever you want to do. But it's a very easy day when we're not on the road. And when you're on the road, I'm assuming you're setting up the ring and, and stuff like that. Um, no, luckily there was no, we weren't part of the ring crew when we were in the dojo. Um, for the typical days, you got to get there, get to the bus an hour before everybody else and just wait for them to show up, put their bag in the bus, get to the show, get off, get everybody's bags up. You got to curl up the coolers. You got to make sure everybody's got tape and all this stuff. And then, um, you got to go to workout before the show, do your match and then, a couple of matches after your match, you got to go out there and be ringside for the rest of the show. And you're handling all the jackets and the bag's got to be on the bus. And so you're doing all the, uh, all the tedious work for everybody else. Then after the show, uh, you're taking out to a sponsor dinner, um, which is actually great when you're not making a lot of money in the dojo because it's free food. Uh, but sometimes those end at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And then you got to go to and do laundry uh, so you're up to like 7 a.m. sometimes, and then you got to be at the bus at 9.30. So it's very long days, uh, really paying your dues, um, but it's worth it in the end. How humbling is it for somebody to, you know, have to do all those different things? You know, uh, you know, you go out and you wrestle a match and, you know, the fans react and that always gives you adrenaline. And then you got to kind of go be the ring jacket person and the, uh, you know, and, and wash the clothes and stuff like that. That has to be a humbling experience. Um, it, it was, but not in a, like a, I don't know, it's weird. Like it does put you in your place, but I never looked at it as, uh, degrading or like, oh, I was rubbed before this or whatever. Like, I always enjoyed doing it, and I was excited to actually be able to do something that I could look back on and go, I at least did something to try and pay my dues because I knew my path would be a little easier than most considering who my dad was. So I appreciated the opportunity to do all these things and show, like, hey, I really do want this. 
What are what are who were some of the other uh, talents that uh, people might know of now, all these years later, that were in the dojo with you? Um, there was Yo and Sho, who are part of Rapungi 3K in New Japan. There was Juice Robinson. There was myself. There was Jay White. Uh, who else was there? Um, there was a couple young boys that uh, were are on excursion now. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much my crop of guys. It was Yo, Show, Juice Robinson, Jay White, and myself. That's who I would consider my crop. I know you can't speak for Juice, and I wouldn't ask you to, but uh, he had just, correct me if I'm wrong, come from uh, NXT. Was that sort of a culture shock to him, or was he? did he know what he was getting in for? Uh, well, he had got my number from a mutual friend and texted me before he came, and this was when I first started the dojo. So he was like, hey, I'm coming to the dojo. What's a typical day look like? And at this point in time, we were doing a 1,000 squats a day. And Juice was overworking for Brian Dixon at the time. So he'd go out, wrestle kid camps, go out drinking all night, and then have to wake up and go to the next town. So I told him, well, we're doing a 1,000 squats a day. So he was like, oh. So he would wake up, hung over, and just try and get out as many squats as he could before before he had to go and build the ring and you know do the show. So he said he, the highest he ever got was 600, and then by the time he came to the dojo, he never did any squats. <laughs> so he did all this prepping and stressing out about it. And never had to do it. But he was really excited to get a new opportunity to uh, really remake himself and show that what he was capable of. And I think he's done a great job at his second chance, I guess you could say. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I guess it's better to be prepared to do a thousand squats than not prepared at all. Uh, yeah. You're, you're, I, I've seen you wrestle a few times on TV. Uh, your dad, I know your dad is known more uh, in. Um, uh, for the modern day fan is a brawler type wrestler, but he's a, uh, has a European uh, British style of uh catches can wrestling. That's uh that's, it's very different from what you see here in the United States. Uh, and, and you you didn't embrace that as much from what I've seen. Uh, was there a conscious effort to change your style from up a little bit from your dad's? Uh, well, when I first started wrestling, I really the only person I had to go off of was my dad and I already was being called David from my junior, and I hated it. So I always wanted to be out from under my dad's shadow as fast as possible, um, which is quite a big task, and I'm trying to figure that one out. But, uh, and it's nothing against my dad. My dad's my hero. You know, like, he's my favorite person on this planet. But uh, I just really wanted to be my own guy. I didn't want the stigma. I was like, oh, he had it easy, or oh, he, because of his dad, like, I wanted to be my own person so bad. So I, it is a conscious thing, but there's also a couple of homages that I'd squeeze in there. Sure. Uh, any idea when you started how big New Japan would become in the U.S.? No idea. I had no idea. When, going in, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to be like a, a Japanese guy uh, that you hear about. And then, you know, eventually comes over the stage and everybody goes, like, oh, you did a lot of stuff in Japan. You go and look at it. This is at the beginning of, like, the where you could stream things. Um but I had no idea that wrestling itself would be where it is right now. Never, ever would have imagined it. Yeah, it's a, it's it's at a, a point right now, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, that uh, uh, there's really a ton of opportunities, uh, perfect timing for you. Let me ask you a question because you work with both of them and you know both of them, and, and, and uh, I'm a big fan of both of them. Bigger future star if you had to pick one, Kenny Omega or Ricochet? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, 
Ricochet used to be my tag partner, and he's a close personal friend of mine. And uh, Kenny is more of a, uh, how do you say? Well, we work together. So, right. but I wouldn't consider him like a close friend. Right. So on that alone, I'm going to say Ricochet or else I'm going to get a really mean text message. I I uh, I've I've been a big Ricochet fan going back a couple of years now. Just seeing him on the internet, and I think if given the chance, uh, the guy could headline a WrestleMania. And you know, Kenny Omega was the one getting all the buzz a couple of years ago in the dirt sheets and online. And I remember I watched that first New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, live show on Axis, and uh, and there was a part of me that wanted him to like you know wanted me to look, watch him and say ah, he ain't that good. You know, uh, I've talked about this on my podcast when it happened because I was actually I was working for uh, TNA Impact at the time and I was watching in the hotel and uh, but it, when I watched he was just as good as advertised so um, but I'm still a big Ricochet fan and I, I tend to agree with you I think if given equal opportunity uh, he could be a big star and uh, or will be a big star so you're working for Ring of Honor now as, as well um, you held out a little bit longer than um, than Jay White, Juice Robinson, some of those other guys that you're friendly with. Was that a conscious decision, or is that just the way it worked out? Uh, hold on, on what? You, you, Going they to were, Ring of Honor? Yeah, they, I remember when I uh, when a couple of WrestleManias ago when um, when when uh, Jay White was uh, came to the bar and I met him. I was having a few drinks with your parents uh, on a Saturday night, and he they introduced me, and he had just come from working a Ring of Honor. And uh, you were just still exclusive in Japan, so I was just wondering if that was a conscious decision of wanting to wait till the time is right. Uh, it was a little bit of a conscious decision in that I did not want to do ROH because I wanted to sit at home. Um, but also, ROH had never reached out until recently. Uh, Jay went to ROH on his excursion. Uh, when you're, some of the Dojo boys get to, sent to uh, Mexico or England or the states. And uh, for the excursion, they have to spend some time there, come back, repackaged, whatever. So uh, Jay went there um, for that. I didn't get one, and Juice didn't get one. So we stayed in New Japan. Um, and Juice uh, is a Chicago guy, so I think it's just he was conveniently close to where they would run sometimes. Right. Uh, as opposed to me, all the way down in Atlanta. So I think uh, it was a little bit of a conscious decision, but they just also never reached out. I think that I, now that you mentioned uh, excursions and, and different places, I think you were recently uh, wrestled in Mexico uh, for a couple of matches for CMM, CMLL. Am I? Is that correct? Yeah, I did. That wasn't really. That was more of a. I got borrowed out. How how was that? Totally different style, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wasn't my favorite. Uh, the wrestling itself was pretty fun, but like the hotel I was at sucked, and I was there essentially by myself for two weeks. Um, so I never really left the hotel. <laughs> I just sat and played on my Nintendo Switch um, until I had to go wrestle, or until I went home, basically. Yeah, that doesn't sound like any fun. Uh, so you're with Ring of Honor, part of a new group called Lifeblood. They're, uh, they've just lost some big players, as everybody knows. And so uh, they brought you and uh, and Juice and some of the other guys in. Uh, how, how, how exciting are you, excited are you about that? And, uh, uh, you know, what's your, uh, what's your thought on, on getting that opportunity? Uh, I'm actually really excited about it. Uh... Just now we're actually talking about it because we're a little stressed the day of. Like, how do we how do we do this? How are we gonna? 
convince people that this is a cool thing. Um, well, actually, all six of us were talking about that. And well, they don't really teach a – they don't really have a starting a fraction class in wrestling school. So we're kind of learning on the go and trying to figure it out, but I'm really excited about it. It's, uh, there's six of us. It's myself, Keith Robinson, uh, Tracy Williams, Mark Hoskins, Camille Dashwood, and Ben Dito. So it's, it looks like uh, it's mystic almost, but I think it's going to end up being a really cool thing. So, uh, what are your what are David Finley's goals, short term or long term? I know at the beginning of the, the, our talk, you mentioned that uh, your the goal was to go to Japan and then go to WWE, but you fell in love with Japan. So, uh, what are the new goals, short term and then uh, you know long term for the future of 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 you being a young wrestler right now? You still have a lot of time ahead of you. Um, well, obviously, always making more money is going to be a goal constantly um i don't know i just want to have more opportunities this year to kind of showcase what i'm capable of and what i can do like i want a couple of, um big matches if i can get them i only really had one last game it was a lot of fun i think i you know held up my end of the bargain uh so i'd like to have more opportunities to do that i'm really excited with this lifeblood thing the goal in that would be to get it over obviously so we'll see how long that takes and uh, i think long time i don't know be a millionaire, something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I should uh, walk away with something after all this. That's not a bad goal. Uh, you know some of the players, uh, uh, and and uh, as everybody knows, uh, got a new big company that's changing the game called All Elite Wrestling. What are your What are your thoughts about uh, not so much wrestling for All Elite because you seem pretty happy, content what you're doing, but uh, just to having that that new player in the game and how it affects the business. Well, having a new player in the game, having all elite wrestling, uh, I really believe that almost everybody benefited, benefited from it. Um, on my end, I didn't get any uh, offers from the outside, but New Japan did approach me like, hey, we want to sign you to a multi-year deal. Um, so I got signed out of that, so that was nice. I wasn't actually on the contract before then. Oh, wow, congratulations. Um, yeah, so thank you very much. Uh, so I benefited from that, but... Um, I think wrestling as a whole is going to be, it's going to be a very interesting landscape over the next two or three years just to see uh, really who's fighting to have the best show and who's fighting to have the best options. And I think there's going to be a healthy competition amongst uh, all the wrestlers, no matter who they're wrestling for or where they're wrestling at. Um, so it'll be really interesting. And I want, I really want it to be a success because I think all those guys deserve a huge win. Excited to be wrestling in Madison square garden uh, this year. So excited. Uh, I'm, I've already started planning one of my own. And, uh, I just got the flight to my wife yesterday. My mom's going to be there. My brother and sister are going to be there. Uh, my dad's trying to figure out if he's going to make it. Um, I think he's got to get permission. <laughs> Company-wise. But uh, I'm really excited for it. It's a huge opportunity for all of us. It's Madison Square Garden, and uh, it's really cool that it's for me at the time. Yeah, it's on my. It's one of the few things on my bucket list I haven't done, and uh, I've actually reached out to a few people and said, "Hey, I'll come in and uh, and introduce the ring announcer just to, <laughs> just to check it off my bucket list. <laughs> Not even on camera. I'll just I'll just introduce the ring announcer and be the stooge. But uh, uh, I, I doubt that's going to happen. But uh, I'm, I'm uh, excited for you to be able to have that opportunity. Uh, the other thing on my bucket list is is to and also not never going to happen. Uh, I have more chance 
chance of being at the garden with you than I do for the other part, which is to uh, be a part of a WrestleMania. Any thought down the road that that's something that uh, you may want to do, or are you just focusing on uh, your immediate well, future? Never say never. I'm not, I'm not looking to go anywhere anytime soon, but it is on the bucket list as I think it is on everybody else's sure. just because it's a staple in wrestling. Sure. Um, so never say never, but it is, it is very far down on the bucket list in the very distant future. So two final questions, a little bit on the lighter side. Number one, uh, do people still come up to you and ask you if Hornswoggle is your brother? Uh, no, but I do have a story about that. Night before it happened, or yeah, the night. So Sunday night, my mom could see my brother, my sister, Don, mainly me. They're a little too young at the time. She goes, "Listen, on TV tomorrow, they're going to say that Hornswoggle is your brother, which means at school the next day, kids are going to come up and ask you, hey, is Hornswoggle really your brother?'" My mom goes, "You have to tell them yes." <laughs> I was like, what? She, goes, she goes, "No, no, you have to tell them yes. Do not tell them no. You go with it." I was like, "Okay, mom." <laughs> so uh, my mom was in on it the whole time and was like, you don't you dare break K-Fed at school. <laughs> so did a lot of people ask you? might be the greatest worker of all time. <laughs> did, did a lot of people uh, ask But you? yeah, uh, I'll get it here and there, but not really. It was a lot when I was in school. But no, that's what I so meant much. in school. Did a lot of people ask yeah. you? Oh, yeah, all the time. <laughs> All the time. They, I get quizzed on it. They'd be like, all right, well, if he's your brother, how come he didn't grow up with you? I was like, oh, he's got a different mom. And they're like, okay, well, how come we never heard about it? I was like, well, I didn't know until recently either. And so, like, I'd have to improvise backstory because everyone's quizzing me real hard because they think I'm going to be like, oh, he's not really my brother. And my mom said I wasn't allowed to do it, so I wasn't going to do it. Classic Mel Finley lover. Uh, final question. You and your dad. I should add your mom in this. I'll, I'll add your mom in this. You and your dad and your mom uh, sitting in an open bar. Who's the last one standing? Uh, well, it will probably vary between my dad and me leaving first. Um, and then whoever doesn't leave first will leave second. And then Nelson May will nine times out of ten be the last one standing. <laughs> After she's had like eight different things, too. You got to, she does, yeah. she got oh, a no. couple glasses of champagne, then she gets a Bloody Mary, and then a glass of wine. And it's like, uh, you, you, most people, you don't do that. And she's fine. She's a, she's a well, hey, I'm, I'm really excited about your future. Thank you for your time uh, on the podcast. And, uh, 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 tell people where they could find you on social media. I saw you had a pro wrestling tease, uh, uh, site too. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the David Finlay. You can find me on Instagram at super, super Dave and my pro wrestling tease. I think you just searched David Finlay and I got some real weird wacky designs on it. That should be a lot of fun for all the boys and girls. You, you looking forward to breaking uh, Brogan in? Oh yeah. He's, he's actually taller than me now and he's getting, we got him in the gym. We got him in the ring. So within the next three to five years, I think we'll have another Finlay on the scene. I'm really excited about it. It's a Finley dynasty. Well, uh, like I said, I'm really happy for your success. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, like I said, your parents are two, probably out of my top five people in the world, including my family. Your parents are two of my favorite people. So uh, uh, best of luck. And I uh, hope I made – Hope I'm, Mel, I hope I did you good, your son good, and I hope we're good. So uh, – uh, hey, uh, congratulations on signing the contract with New Japan, and uh, hopefully we'll catch you uh, when you're here with Ring of Honor. I can come say hello. 
Well, thank you very much for having me. I had a blast. Somehow I knew it was Mel, the last person standing in an open bar. Somehow I knew it would be Mel. And uh, Mel, God bless you. One of my, as I said, I don't want to overdo it, but uh, anybody who knows Dave and Mel Finley will tell you what fun people they are and, and what a good guy Dave is and what a sweetheart Mel is. And she, Yeah, I'm not going to lie. She does scare me a little bit, but I hope I did your son proud. And I am uh, excited about his future uh, in the wrestling business. And uh, your younger son, I guess, we got to get ready for part two. So it uh, be interesting to follow them on their journeys. And uh, hopefully I'll get to hook up with you guys at WrestleMania weekend. Because, uh, oh, yeah, I will be at WrestleMania weekend and uh, in New York City. Hotel and airfare is booked. So uh, we'll be talking more about that as we get closer. But I'm excited about that. And not sure if I'm going to go to the Hall of Fame this time. Have to see who uh, is part of the Hall of Fame induction class. And then have to see if my friends, the Finleys, could uh, get me a pass with them. So a lot has to come into play. But, um Excited to be in the Big Apple for WrestleMania weekend, and hopefully we'll get some interviews that we could bring you uh, up there, and uh, so that'll be fun as well. So want to thank Dave Finley. Be sure to follow him on uh, Twitter, Instagram, his Pro Wrestling Tea site, and um, looking forward to fun. You know, a lot of times we're talking to people about their career when their career is in the uh, towards the end. Speaking of that, I'd love to get Fit Finley on the show one day if I could uh, make it work with WWE. But um, maybe I'll find out who to ask at WrestleMania weekend. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's something I should do. Hmm. Just a thought. But uh, but this time we're talking to somebody who sort of hasn't peaked yet and is on his way up. So I thought that'd be a fun angle, and we'll get to watch David Finley uh, and his career here on the podcast and. Uh, Hopefully five years from now, we'll still be here and he'll still be uh, he'll be an even bigger name. Hopefully he'll be a millionaire by then, as his goal is. And we could have him back on to talk about five or six years uh, the in between interviews. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to follow me on Twitter, always fun time on Twitter at David Penzer or at Penzer Ringside is the podcast. And uh want to just mention, by the way, Angelina Love, who was our guest a couple of weeks ago, is doing a great thing, which is a GoFundMe page where she's going to give all use all the money to give uh, kids with pediatric cancer uh, gift baskets. Uh, so if you have not already seen that or donated, be sure to go to uh, Angelina Love's uh, Twitter page. It has all the information right there on Twitter, and uh, it's, it's a good cause. Um, uh, I know I, I know almost everybody has been affected in one way or another by pediatric cancer, and it's heartbreaking. So anything to put a smile on those kids' face and a good deed by a good person, Angelina Love. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Penzer. We're still sitting at ringside. See ya. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a Crush Performance Quick Fix on Radio Influence. 
everywhere we look, there are these storied franchises and organizations that just seem to have it together. Well, what goes on inside of those organizations? Where did they come from? How did they get there? That's going to be the conversation today as we talk with high-performance strategist Brandon Marcello. You can check his information out at brandonmarcellophd.com. I wanted to get Brandon on to address this early in the season as it's one of our overlying themes. We're also going to spend a lot of time this year talking about recovery and sleep. It's our number one priority for human performance. So inside of those cultures, we have to make sure that we're taking care of the individuals that make these things tick. And if we're not doing a good job there, well, flat out bottom line is your organization can't be successful. Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.